Steve on Arizona Sports Saturday. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Coming up at 1245. It's the single greatest guest pitch I've ever gotten via email for the Super Bowl week. And I have no idea who it is. Me neither. How's that for a tease? (laughs) No, I'm telling you, I got this email yesterday and it's the greatest. It's the greatest thing. It's the greatest thing ever. So I'll tell you uh, the about the email later at 1245. Okay. I want to just pass this along real quick because we just did around the NFL. Okay. Cowboys did not activate kicker Tristan Vizcaino. Brett Maher, it is for Sunday. Here we go. Part two. How many extra points is he going to miss? Over under. I got to tell you, I was really sad watching that for him because it was really depressing. <laughs> and what was really great was the day after, uh, you know, Jerry Jones does a radio hit yes. with one of the stations they're, in Dallas. They're uh, affiliate, I imagine. Much like how we talk to the GM here on our station, we talk to the head coach after games. Mm-hmm. They talk to Jerry Jones because he's basically the de facto GM. And they asked him about Brett Maher and his struggles. And like, do you, do you go find another kicker for the next game? And Jerry Jones, to his credit, played it the right way. He was like, you got to remember, it's not just one game. I mean, this guy's been our kicker and he's been great all year. Are we really going to go find somebody off the scrap heap this in the, is the playoffs? This the dude that made two 60-yarders in Minnesota, so, I believe it was. Chalk it up as a bad game for Brett. I mean, I felt bad watching it for him. You know, it's a funny quick story. We were I was at a cold beers and cheeseburgers watching the game with a with a buddy of mine. And when he finally made that first extra point, there was a mix of Tampa and Cal- and Dallas fans in there. Everybody was cheering. Everybody goes down. Everybody was cheering. Because at that point, you just want the guy to hit something, do the job. I got a funny story about the Maurer guy. All right, hit so me. Okay. I had a co-worker that had a 10-legger parlay, right? Okay. And so he oh, needed no. all he needed was Maurer to hit one one more extra point. Just oh, one. He didn't no. want $1,300. Oh, no. Oh, he needed one more. He needed one Not more one, kick. but one more. One more. Was that the over-under oh. of the game, or was it a specific prop to Maher? A Pacific prop oh. to Maher. How much money was on the line? 1300 That's brutal. Oh, that's, that's rough, right? That sucks. Talk about bad beats. You should text it to Brett Maher and be like, you owe me money. <laughs> that's, that's right. <laughs> There's a tweet. Man. Just had to pass that along before we rolled on. We'll stick with Dallas, though, because one of the news stories of the day regards to the Cardinals, uh, Dan Quinn, the Cowboys defensive coordinator, is reportedly scheduled. Well, OK, I should clarify. I don't believe he's scheduled for an interview. They've requested to interview Dan Quinn. Yeah, that according to NFL Network's Tom Pelissero. So they've been granted permit or they've asked for permission to interview Dan Quinn. Man, uh Michael Bidwell wasn't kidding when he said they were going to cast a wide net, huh? I mean, we've seen candidates of all kinds and of all types. I mean, we've got multiple offensive-minded coaches. Frank Reich has been in the mix. Uh, Sean Payton, they've requested. I don't know if they've scheduled an interview with him yet, but they've requested and received permission to talk to Sean Payton. So you've got offensive-minded coaches in the mix. Mm -hmm. You've got defense with Brian Flores, Vance Joseph, D'Amico Ryans, Aaron Glenn from the Lions, uh, now Dan Quinn. Who am I missing? Uh, the Broncos guy. Ishero Ivero. So they've got a wide, wide net. This is maybe the most candidates I've ever seen interview for an opening for yeah, a Quinn, job. Glenn, Ivero, Ryans, Vance. That's an in-house candidate. Yep. And Brian Flores. So that's five and, defensive yeah. guys. And then two offensive guys being Sean Payton and Frank Reich. It's wild. That's, that's more candidates look, than I've ever seen. Well, look, do you want less? 
I kind of like the go get as many guys as you can get, talk to as many people as you get. The problem is, I like it too. The problem is, is like half of these are just requests. They're not actual interviews. Right. Yeah. That's another thing entirely to actually schedule the interview and do it. So as far as we know, the ones that have been interviewed or will be interviewed, Frank Reich, that was on Tuesday. Vance Joseph, that was Wednesday. The report was that Ejero Ivero got his interview yesterday and then Aaron Glenn today. Okay. That means you're missing Sean Payton. Dan Quinn was just requested today. And then Brian Flores. So it's interesting. I mentioned this earlier in the show, and I guess I'll bring it back here, is depending on what Michael Bidwell is looking for, depending on what quality in a coach you're looking for for your next head coach, there's a lot of different directions you can go here. Are you looking for somebody who's a former head coach, has head coaching experience? Well, you've got Sean Payton. You've got Dan Quinn is certainly in that mix. Vance Joseph, Brian Flores, uh, Frank Frank Reich. Reich. So you've got options there. Are you looking for fresh blood? Somebody that comes from with, you know, not a lot of ties, uh, but maybe great leadership skills. That's D'Amico Ryans. Are you looking for offense versus defense? Are you looking for somebody who already has... A lot of respect in the building. Vance Joseph is that guy. Mm-hmm. Are you looking for somebody with championship pedigree? That's probably Brian Flores in his time in New England. Certainly Frank Reich in, in uh, Philadelphia as well. There's a lot. The net is about as wide as you can cast it. I don't know that there's a lot of candidates out there who aren't interviewing with the Cardinals. There's a potential trend as well. So when Bruce Arians retired, they eventually hired Steve Wilkes, right? And then after that one and done, they hired Cliff Kingsbury. Who wasn't even really on anyone else's radar. Kingsbury? As far as we know. I don't believe so. Just USC's. Um, Right. Well, he was the OC, right? For like two weeks? For like a week, yeah. He he was there about as long as Bill Belichick was with the Jets. Yeah. Are you going to go for your third straight new hire? You mean new... uh, Like like first-time head coach. coach. Sorry. Yeah. Would you go for your third straight new hire? Would you go for your third straight... First-time head coach. Now, the caveat I will give to that is it was understood that Steve Wilkes was going to go in there. He was going to ship-shape everything up. He was going to be the hard-nosed guy, leader of men. But that flailed He was miserably. a disciplinarian. It flailed miserably. It was reflective in the record. It was reflective in the offense. It was reflective in the defense, right? He's clearly turned it around. He's gotten some favor in Carolina. What that leads for him, I don't know. Cliff Kingsbury was brought in, but eventually became known as Pretty Boy Football, Air Raid, Coach Bro, doesn't, isn't real a hard nose. Coach Bro. He was, I think we could highlight that. Because none of these guys, the candidates we're talking about. No bros. No bros in there. Well, okay. No equals They're, to Kyler Murray. You know what I mean? Okay, that's fair. I was going to say maybe D'Amico Ryan's is seen as a bro, but he's, he he's gets fresh the, off being a player. He gets the job done. Ago. He's good at his job, right? Cliff Kingsbury wasn't really good at his job, quite frankly. Like, okay, great. You got to work with Case Keenum? Cool. You got to work with Patrick Mahomes? Cool. Are you just going to steal all the credit for their success? No, that's not fair. Another interesting aspect of this, and I'll give credit to Paul Calvisi. I heard him say this on uh, Thursday night's show on this station. Some of these guys might be interviewing for head coach and potentially offensive coordinator or even defensive coordinator. If Vance Joseph either goes away or gets promoted. And here's what I mean by that. So years ago when Steve Wilkes was hired, Mike McCoy, Mm. he interviewed for the head coaching opening. Didn't get it. But he gets hired to be the offensive coordinator under a defensive-minded head coach in Steve Wilkes. Could something like that happen where 
If you hire D'Amico Ryans, if you promote Vance Joseph, if you hire Brian Flores, Aaron Glenn, Dan Quinn, uh-huh. you still got to find an offensive guy who can elevate Kyler Murray in this offense. Well, I can tell you, unfortunately, there's only one option if you do, go, if you do end up going that route. Because there's no way in hell you're trading a first-round pick for your new offensive coordinator. Uh, Sean Payton. So yeah. Frank Reich would be your only option as it stands right now based on reports and actual interviews. You could do that. Or you could reverse it. You make Frank Reich your head coach, and then you go and see if you can get a lateral move out of any of these other guys. I don't think it would be allowed by the prior teams. The hard part is a D'Amico Ryans is not leaving the 49ers D.C. job to be your D.C. Correct. Uh, I would think Denver's guy, not going to leave a D.C. job well, for a D.C. job. they're also looking for a new head coach. Does he want out? Does he know he's not going to be retained? Possible. Aaron Glenn from Detroit. Do you really want to bring Detroit's defense to Arizona? I doubt it. Uh, I'm not even really sure what... I I don't know what the big appeal is of Aaron Glenn. I don't know the guy as a person. He might be a great leader. Uh, I just don't look at Detroit's defense and think like, oh yeah, that's something I'm really interested in. So I'll stop myself before I get too far into it. It seems like the only reasonable move would be, if you go that route, would be to hire one of these defensive guys and then see if Frank Reich wants to be the OC, be one-on-one with Kyler Murray, be the guy that makes... Sure, he's not going to continue going down this regressive cliff. Play on words, I guess. What is Frank's current situation? He's unemployed. He's fired. Yes. So he's looking for a job. Yes. I would think. Period. Now, he probably wants to be a head coach again. Well, let's get this out of the way. Who wouldn't? Let's get this out of the way. Would you want Frank Reich on this staff? Yes. OC or head coach, do you care? No. Okay. No, but I think he'd be a good head coaching candidate. I'm very intrigued. I think he got a bad job in Indianapolis. I agree. I think he got screwed. He got a year of Andrew Luck, who then wanted to retire because he wasn't having fun. Yep. He got a year of Phillip Rivers, who was by far the best quarterback he was able to work with in the time there. Carson Wentz, who just completely flailed against the Jacksonville Jaguars, and then Jim Irsay, as we all know, butted in and was like, I want him gone. And then Matt Ryan's disaster, Sam Ellinger for a game, and then he got fired. And got replaced with uh, local TV analyst Jeff Saturday, I believe. And then they brought <laughs> yeah, back Matt Ryan. And, and then they went to Nick Foles. And then they went to Sam Ellinger. So, like, are you looking at the Colts this year and saying, wow, that was Frank Reich's fault? No. Like, no. No. I think he's a good coach. I think he could be a, a really great asset to this offense. Uh, with that said, I think he could do the same as an offensive coordinator if they decided to go. And if you decide to go the route of brand new head coach again. The way they've done with Kingsbury and Wilkes. If you decide to hire a D'Amico Ryans, you're going to need somebody with some experience as an offensive coordinator. Somebody who even has head coaching experience. Frank Reich is like the cheaper version of Sean Payton. By the way, Frank Reich won a Super Bowl as, what was his role in Philadelphia? Was he OC quarterbacks or quarterback's coach? Of coach? Philly. Quarterback's coach of Philly. Quarterback's coach in Philly at a time when he was coaching up Nick Foles. And Carson Wentz. It's not like he had a Tom Brady who knew how to do the job already. He right. was coaching up a brand new backup quarterback to win that Super Bowl. You know what else? That's an impressive job he did. Don't forget, he was the second pick in Indy. Because Josh McDaniels got the job, and, and then, then he left. pulled a Belichick, basically. <laughs> yeah. Bailed from the press conference. Learned from the to best. New England. Yeah. And then Ursay was like, the rivalry's back on. And I'm like, what rivalry? And then they hired Frank Reich. You're right. So if Frank Reich wants the opportunity to just be the first option guy, does he desperately want to be a head coach? Or is he okay taking an OC job with a very tantalizing 
quarterback. I think option. I'm more on board today with Frank Reich than I would be Sean Payton. Just because of the cost. Reportedly, the Saints are interested in getting a haul like John Gruden got a haul when he was traded. And if you're the Cardinals, and if you're Sean Payton, do you really want to coach a team that just gave up all your trade, uh, your draft assets? I don't know, man. I'm, I'm souring a little bit on the Sean Payton idea. And his Super Bowl was 13 years ago. I'm just souring because they haven't scheduled an interview yet. Yeah, they should they should get that. Done, it just though. feels like all they did was fan service. Like, hey, we got approved. We're not going to talk to him though. I think it's coming. Coming up next, you know what else we hope is coming? A Phoenix Suns trade. Are we closer to knowing what the Suns are willing to give up in the process? We might. We'll share with you next on Arizona Sports Saturday. Mitch Ferreldis, Steve Zinsmeister, Arizona Sports Saturday. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. We're 20 or so days away from the NBA trade deadline, and I'm told since Matt Ishbia and, and his announcement that he's going to take over the Suns' ownership has come out, uh, the Suns have actually informed teams that they're willing to move a first-round pick and, and potentially take on salary long-term for good players and winning acquisitions. So to me, you're starting to begin to see the influence of the Matt Ishbia, Justin Ishbia, or, you know, regime and organization uh, and leadership under their ownership. That's the voice of Sham Sharania on the rally on Bally Sports yesterday. How is that a reflection ago. of the Ishbias? Isn't that exactly what James Jones has been come to you, known you, to do? You know what is a reflection of? It's a reflection of every new owner ever. Steve Ballmer did the same thing when he got the Clippers. He swung Paul George and Kawhi Leonard, right? Yeah. Ishbia just wants to follow suit like every new owner does. They want to impress the fan base very early on, make that big swing, get everybody all excited again, right? This at a much lower capacity, right? I think at the time swinging Kawhi Leonard and Paul George was like, oh my goodness, this just shook, this just shook the entire NBA landscape. Whatever Matt Ishbia does or gets control of or pushes for, it's not going to swing the NBA landscape. At least we don't assume. I don't think you're going to revolutionize the sport it, overnight. It'll definitely improve and help the Suns. That's a fact. But how much? We don't know. There's the insight that we got. Is that it sounds like the Suns are willing to take on a little salary or move future draft assets if it means getting back quality talent. Which... As Gambo has pointed out, is nothing new. No, that's per not se. new. James Jones has gone on the record and has specified that that's what they're willing to do. But maybe for like the national audience and more importantly for 29 other teams, it provides a little clarity as to what the Suns are willing to do. Well, and I think back to remember that uh, ESPN article that basically outlined in great detail how the Suns front office feels about the draft process. And not to say that they don't value it at all, but that they value it differently than the rest of the league. And that James Jones would rather use that, let's call it mid to late round first round pick that it's going to be. And he would rather flip that for a quality player for a few years than draft a new kid who's 19 and maybe he turns out, maybe he probably doesn't. He'd rather go get a player that he can scout from the NBA level. And it's something on some level that he's done already a couple of times. They would rather use their picks and go out and acquire players that can be role players right now for a potential championship run. It's kind of the same thing they did with Cam Johnson, an older prospect in the draft. They 
I think it was surprising when they drafted Cam Johnson. Oh, it was totally surprising. None of us had him on our radar. It's been a meme here for years. But he filled a role in a shooting forward that they knew they wanted. And they knew he could do that well. They didn't need him to evolve into this amazing... I I still don't think Cam Johnson needs to evolve into this elite-level scoring guy in the NBA level. It'd be cool if he did. But we know what role he fills on this team, and he does it really well. I think the health would help, too. He's been injured off and on That's part of it, too. Yeah, that's pretty obvious. Mikel Bridges, same sort of thing. They actually traded for Bridges in that draft. And it was the same sort of thing. An older prospect. I think he was the oldest guy in the draft at the time. Four-year guy out of Villanova. They knew what he was. They didn't have to just take a flyer on a 19-year-old and see what happens. The Suns, they operate this way. They like to use their draft picks to try to attach it to another player, in this case, probably Jay Crowder, and move it for another NBA player that they know already. You could potentially equate this strategy in a less at a lesser impact, I must emphasize, to what the Rams do. The Rams don't draft high all not, that often. Not usually. The last time they had a first round pick, it was Jared Goff. They haven't had Is a that first. Right? They have not had a first round draft pick since. Wow. Since Jared Goff, that number was a one long time overall. Ago. Well, since then, what they did was refortify the roster with a bunch of veterans, or they made the most out of the draft picks that they had in the later rounds. Like Cooper Cup was a third rounder out of Ewash, right? Like. It's not like the guys that are on the roster now were only brought in via trade or free agent signing or whatever. They still drafted well in the spots that mattered. Or rather, they made the most of the draft picks that they had. My point being is that the Suns kind of have that same model. They just want guys that already know how to hoop. They don't want to spend, or the perception is, they don't want to spend the time developing guys. The exception, of course, being DeAndre Ayton, but we're seeing that kind of come to a head, it feels like. You were right about the Rams, by the way. Jared Goff, 2016 was the last time they made a first-round pick. They traded up for that pick, too. This past year, they didn't have a first or a second. The year before, Tutu Atwell was their first pick in the second round. Ugh. Cam Akers and Van, Je- uh, Van Jefferson in the second round in 2020. I mean, yeah, this is exactly the model. You would rather give up those picks and get a player that you have already scouted at the NBA level. Somebody you know can play basketball at that level. Who that is at the upcoming trade deadline, I'm not sure. Uh, There's been a lot of talk about Kyle Kuzma, and uh, you and I have talked a lot about would Washington even want to make that deal because of all the parity that we've seen in both conferences. And with the expansion of the playoffs and the play-in games, more teams have the opportunity to make the playoffs and potentially make a run than ever before. And with that, naturally, that means more teams are in it and less teams are out of it because the teams that usually move off of good players that the Suns are looking to acquire, it's going to be those teams who are sitting somewhere between, you know, like 12th and 15th in their own conference. And that's just not a lot of teams to pick from. Well, so there was a couple of proposals that made the rounds this week, uh, both involving Jay Crowder. One comes from The Heavy, uh, which is a site that has had some reports in the past that we've picked up on. Uh, Sean Devaney, uh, he reports that there was an offer to the Suns from Miami centered around Duncan Robinson. The Suns rejected. But there's also reportedly a standing offer that includes Caleb Martin. Winger, has some three-point ability. He's not, he's not a lighted-up kind of name. That's one. I don't know that that's much of an improvement. No, I don't think it is either. The second one was kind of a discussed proposal between three writers from The Athletic, one of whom being Doug Haller, who obviously covers Arizona teams here for The Athletic. 
it eventually just led to the Suns acquiring in a three-team deal Eric Gordon and Grayson Allen, which I also don't kind of see as an improvement for the Suns. I, I like Eric Gordon. I've liked Eric Gordon for a long time to the Suns, but uh, it doesn't really fit the need that you have. If you're going to move off of Jay Crowder, not that he's playing for this team right now, but you'd like to get a forward, like a wing. You'd like to get a guy who's a 3-4 wing, can play good defense. Really what you're looking for is Jay Crowder. That's crazy. And it's hard to convince another team to trade away a player like Jay Crowder for Jay Crowder. And we've been talking about this for months now, that who are you going to convince to do that? And if it's a team like uh, like Washington giving up Kyle Kuzma, why would they give up Kyle Kuzma for Jay Crowder? I think the Kyle Kuzma ship has kind of sailed. Has it? Is not it over? Be, not because Washington's better, but because Washington knows that they're not going to get a fair return for Kuzma. Washington is currently sitting in 12th in the Eastern Conference. I mean, I'll tell you right now, you know what Washington is really trying to do? They're trying to convince Kyle Kuzma and Christoph Porzingis to stay. Long term. Exactly. Kyle Kuzma has an option. Everybody's projecting he's not going to take it because Kyle Kuzma has made it clear that he doesn't really want to be there after this year. Right? He wants to test the market. Like, he should. He's had a really, really good season for Kyle Kuzma, right? Test the market, see who you can get. If that happens to be Washington, then of course the Wizards win. So I don't think they're going to be as high to move Kuzma this time around. Coming up next, Monday, it was a new GM for the Arizona Cardinals. Today, it's a new assistant GM for the Cardinals. So we'll tell you about him and what it means for the coaching search. That's next on Arizona Sports Saturday. Mitch and Steve on Arizona Sports Saturday. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Well, on Monday, it was a new GM for the Arizona Cardinals. Today, it's an assistant GM. I'm reading from a tweet uh, by Ian Rappaport. The Arizona Cardinals are hiring Lions Director of College Scouting Dave Sears as the Assistant General Manager under GM Monty Ossenfort. He says, uh, it's a bit of a surprise given two strong in-house candidates who interviewed for the GM job in Adrian Wilson and Quentin Harris. And that's something that we haven't really touched on. I know I asked you about this on Monday with the hiring of Awesome Fort, but mm-hmm. what the future holds for those two guys is interesting. Well, because, it sounds like not here. Well, it probably won't be. Or if it is, it would have to be in some sort of demotion or reassignment, which I don't think but they'd I, be up for. I highly doubt that happens. Yeah. But then at the same time, you're wondering, are you just going to be out of a job or are you going to hope that you get picked up somewhere else? Because somebody will be interested if they're not here. The Titans hired their new GM, Rand Carthon. So that position's filled. Would they then bring over either Quentin Harris or Adrian Wilson? I don't know. It's possible. Would they stay here in Austin Fort's staff and just retain the same position? I don't know. That's also possible. Or a new new position. Um So this has some interesting ramifications. So we know that as director of college scouting, Dave Sears oversaw a couple of the drafts for the Lions the last couple of years. Um, I'm pretty impressed with some of their drafts. Obviously, it's hard to miss on Aiden Hutchinson. He's been fantastic. Um, But there have been some other really good players. Uh, One of note was fourth-round pick Amon Ross St. Brown is one of the best receivers in the league right now. Who, by the way, fun fact, can name all 18 wide receivers that were drafted ahead of him off the top of his head. I'll bet he can. 18! Well, a wide receiver. You know how many receivers get drafted. I can't even remember the seven head coaching candidates for the Cardinals. You don't even remember 18 co-workers. <laughs> I don't know 18 co-workers. There's a difference. Maybe that was the problem. Uh, another tie that you could rely on is these two guys, Monty Austin Fort and Dave Sears, spent three years together in the scouting department in Houston. That 
suggests a bit of a tie to D'Amico Ryans, who was a player in Houston. I'm not sure of the time frames of how they line up. for you right now. But 06, that was his rookie year. So they just maybe missed it? uh, But even still. Maybe not Sears, but but Austin Fort just missed it. Even still, you could maybe draw a bit of a connection there. We've already drawn the connection between Austin Fort and Brian Flores, who both spent over a decade in New England together. Mm -hmm. So... How does this impact the head coaching search? Well, we found out today Dan Quinn is now a candidate. We found out that Aaron Glenn, defensive coordinator from the Lions, another guy from the Lions, interviewed for the job. So there's a couple interesting tie-ins and still no word on when Sean Payton would be interviewing with the Cardinals. Can we tangent to that for a second? Are we giving up on Sean Payton? I'm close. I'm not giving up on it, but I'm less intrigued today than I was a couple days ago. Because I think I'm starting to get into the mindset of, now, it'll never get painted this way publicly. But I'm pretty sure it was Michael Bidwell reached out. There was a discussion of what compensation could potentially look like. And the Saints said, okay, yes, you can interview him. And Michael probably said something, okay, cool, just wanted to make sure we were good for that. Because when I hire my new GM, I want to make sure that he'll be allowed to talk to him as a candidate because we think he'll be a great head coach, et cetera, et cetera, whatever. What it feels like to me is that they just got permission so that the world knew that they got permission. Right? Covering your butt. You're just doing that as a courtesy to the fans who were very hopeful, very excited, who might have just gone through a long summer of getting excited about Kevin Durant. And now this just feels like another cog in the machine that's not a working machine. Well, something that Monty said in his opening press conference a couple of times that caught my attention was he says, we're going to flip over every rock. We're going to uncover every rock and see what's under each one. We're going to, we're going to look into everything we can about every player we, we scout. And I think the same philosophy could apply to finding a head coach. We're going to look at every option. You can't turn over every stone. If you don't talk to the guy, dude, I think they're overturning every rock. Look at how many candidates they have for this job. Look how many people are interviewing or that they're interested in talking to. Okay, but that's just like... I can't name a candidate across the league right now that's interviewing for another head coaching job that isn't talking to the Cardinals. But the, I can't think of one. There's a difference between turning over stones just to like do research on the guy and turning over stones, doing research on the guy, and then actually also talking to the guy. Sure. This is not doing enough in terms of Sean Payton. You need an interview. All you're doing is you're like, okay, we did the research. We know he's won a Super Bowl. We know he had the Bounty Gate stuff. We know he's had pretty successful teams. What if taking a year off? But talk to the guy. What if he called? What if Bidwell called Mickey Loomis and he said, "I want a first, a first, a second, and a second. I want the John Gruden package." And if you're Michael Bidwell, you say, thanks, but no thanks. Okay, then say that. Don't say, oh, we got permission, but we're just not going to talk to him because the compensation's too much. He's never going to tell us that. That is such malarkey to use a word that I'm allowed to use on this microphone airwave. You know, the other thing, though, the other aspect of this is uh, on Monday, when you and I started our show on MLK Day, before the, the Monty Awesome Fort News came down, I had said, Sean Payton is not the kind of coach that you hire after hiring a GM. Because he's going to want to say in personnel and he might want a person of his own liking to be in the front office with him making those decisions. And then they hired Monty Austin for it. So maybe the other side of it is Peyton doesn't want to interview anymore. Sure. I get that. I had I had read a rumor that Sean Peyton and his folks, his people, whoever that is, 
were not happy that the Cardinals went out and hired an executive, a general manager, before even talking to Sean Payton. I had heard that. I don't know if that's true, but I can assume it a little bit based on the pedigree of the coach. That's not the kind of guy that you hire another GM who, I don't know what Austin Fort's relationship with Sean Payton is. I think he'd even been asked about that. Um, and it didn't sound like they had strong ties. He didn't to have one much another. of an answer. There was yeah. a separate scrum after the presser. He didn't really have much of an answer. So maybe Sean Payton's not pleased that the Cardinals went out and did that. And this isn't the job for him. Okay, but it's not like any of these other jobs don't already have GMs. What, are the Broncos going to trade for Sean Payton and then just fire their general manager because of it? No. They just gave him the vote of confidence after they fired their not even a one and done. But it's Barely different. made it the season. But it's different if he was looking at the Cardinals opening and saying, that's the one job where they could give me full control. That job is different than the Texans, the Broncos, uh, any other job that's open. Panthers. The Panthers. That's different because they can give me the world. They can give me full control, everything. And then the Cardinals, before even talking to him, he might have gotten excited about that. And before talking to him, they go out and they hire a GM. And now all of a sudden that job is the same as every other job. Like you just said, they all have GMs in place. And now Sean Payton's a little less excited about it. Okay, so if it's possible. If it's true that Sean Payton no longer wants to interview for the job, fine. But don't leave your fan base hanging on the edge of the hook waiting to get yanked up out of the water. Like, we're just kind of sitting here wondering. I mean, hell, they haven't even scheduled an interview with half of the coaches that have been reported. Like, how soon do you actually want to get this done? I get it. There's other factors involved, but... I would think you would like this stuff figured out so that you can get ready for a draft and a pretty important draft pick in a couple of months. Here's the other thing, too, though. Sean Payton's interview might just be coming in a couple of days. We just don't know about it yet. I mean, they're interviewing how many candidates? At least seven, eight? Well, three have been interviewed. One interviewed. Three have been interviewed. One reportedly today. And then that leaves, what, three more reported candidates that have been given permission? So if they're doing one Maybe two a day. We're looking at Monday or Tuesday before they're even done with the candidates we know about. I mean, his interview could be coming next week. By the way, some of these guys who are in the playoffs, like D'Amico Ryans, if they make a late run, a big push into the playoffs, you're not getting that guy hired for a couple of weeks anyway. We were talking with uh, Darren Urban on Thursday's Burns and Gambo show. He covers the Cardinals for the Cardinals. And he even surmised that they might not even be done extending the netting yet. There might be candidates we don't even know about that the Cardinals are willing to talk to. And that Because, I mean, there's still eight teams playing. That was what was interesting about when Monty got hired is who does he want to bring into the fold? Who does mm-hmm. he want to interview? Because we knew who Michael wanted. Last week, you and I did a show on Saturday talking about four candidates. And I, if I remember right, it was Sean Payton, Vance Joseph, Brian Flores, and D'Amico Ryans. Yep. That was before Monty Austin Fort was even hired. Correct. So all the other names, the Dan Quinns, the Aaron Glens, the Frank Reichs, those got added later, possibly even because of Monty. There's one more thing that I wanted to bring up before this discussion closes. There's a it's a it's a relatively large item that Monty Austinfort has on his to do list, and it's kind of getting overlooked in my opinion. Are you going to sign Isaiah Simmons to a fifth year option or not? Mm. Twenty twenty number eight overall pick. This is his gonna. This is gonna be his fourth season coming up. You have to make the decision on the fifth year option this off season. 
it's getting overlooked because they still need to hire a head coach. They need to figure out what their quarterback situation is. They need to understand that they got to rebuild this roster, whether through the draft or through free agency. They got to figure out who they're going to bring back in free agency. Who are you going to take at number three overall? Are you going to trade the number three overall pick? All the while, you've got a Hassan Reddick point two, 2.0 situation staring you right in the face. Well, and it's not just Simmons, but Byron Murphy. What is his future? Well, he's a free agent. That's just it. Zach Allen free is agent. a free agent. These are guys that you guys drafted, and actually they played pretty well, and they've developed pretty well. I just look at it as this is a guy that's guaranteed on your roster this year. Do you want him again? And I very much want to avoid seller's remorse like the Cardinals and Steve Kime did with Hassan Reddick. Yeah. When they finally figured out what he was good at, he was good, and then he got the money he deserved on a prove it deal, and now look what he's doing with Philadelphia. You know who would make a good mentor mm. to Isaiah Simmons as a head coach? Mm. D'Amico Ryan. Oh. Another linebacker? You just drafted two inside linebackers in the first round in the last two drafts. <laughs> I swear to God if they do that. Sorry, <laughs> not last two drafts. It's been a couple of drafts now. But, but at the same time, like if you want to develop those guys... And you would never hire a head coach just to make your inside linebackers better. That's I not, would that's hope not. Not the point I'm making. I'm I just mean, saying, you I know mean, who would be the, a great mentor and watch. who could really turn those guys around is D'Amico Ryan. Watch, they're going to draft Will Anderson and be like, no, we like him as a safety. Although, that seems more of a kind thing to do, not a Austin Ford thing to do. Coming up, we're going to wrap up the show with this. Yesterday, I got the greatest Super Bowl week guest pitch that I've ever gotten and I have no clue who the guest is. I'm going to read you that email coming up next. Mitch Bereldis, Steve Zinsmeister, Arizona Sports Saturday. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. I told Mitch before the show, yesterday I received the greatest guest pitch for Super Bowl week that I've ever received via email. And then Steve immediately walked away. <laughs> I wanted to tease it for today's show. I wanted to tell you and Trev all about it. literally teased me. So, you, Mitch and I, were big-time radio hosts, so we get a lot of uh, guests pitched to our way for radio big shows. Big-time radio hosts. Big <laughs> so people want to tell us, hey, we want to come on your show. We want to talk about, yeah. you know, the Super Bowl. Yeah. Okay, that makes sense. We've had big names on before. Let's do it. What do you got? I want to read you this email. Okay. You guys tell me what you think of this, okay? I'm just going to... I received back. this yesterday afternoon. Here we go. I'm ready. I'm going to leave their name out of it to save them some face. Hi, Steve. Happy Friday. I'm reaching out a bit early as you plan your upcoming Super Bowl coverage. Good so far. <laughs> as you're looking for commentators in the lead-up to the game, I wanted to propose having a guest on from our client, which is tomorrow.io a website I'm led to believe, to discuss how weather might affect the game. That's it? Stay with me. Okay. It's already pretty stupid. <laughs> Tomorrow.io, the SpaceX of weather, that's literally in the email, uh, Okay, is an enhanced weather intelligence company that helps businesses and governments pr best predict and prepare for extreme weather. Their executives could talk on your show about the following. Okay, here we go. Bullet by bullet. Number one. Okay. How wind patterns could potentially affect the game. Okay. Number two. Air quality and its effect on the players. Number three. Extreme heat and impact on player hydration. Number four. Potential weather delays. 
etc. I am a, I am totally on pins and needles waiting to hear what etc. is for this. Uh. Let us know if you might be interested. We'll follow up closer to the game as well. Thank you. First of all, you'll notice that there's no name of a person that I'm having on the show there. I have no idea who they're pitching. Yeah. Let's get to the obvious elephant in the room. Weather impacting the Super Bowl, which is going to be here in Glendale, indoors. That's what made me scratch my head. So for those of you that are unaware or have never been to Arizona before, the Arizona Cardinals Stadium is a closed dome, jokingly called the toaster. (laughs) Kind of does look. It has a roof, which will likely be open. But we are talking about Glendale in the beginning of February. Let me remind you what they want to talk about on the show: how wind could affect the game, okay? Air quality on the field, extreme heat, and potential weather delays. So you guys know me. I. You know, politely tr- told I, them no. I try to be the nice. <laughs> I try to be the nice guy. You know, hey, thanks, but no thanks. Right? Wrong. No. I replied to the email. Sure. And I said the following: Hi, blank. I'm leaving the name out yeah, to fine. save the face. I find this guest pitch not only intriguing but also shocking and concerning. You see, I too am worried about the impact of the weather and what it might do to this year's Super Bowl. You're, you, there's no way you wrote that. You didn't do that. You That's, bring up some imperative questions. There's no way you wrote this. Such as, number one, what if the severe Arizona easterly winds impact the kicking of field goals and extra points? I would hate for Brett Maher to have another bad there, day because there, of the wind. There, there's, there's so you many not, flaws. You did not respond There's that. so many you flaws. Made this up. There's number so two, many flaws. Dallas is not going to the Super Bowl, Steve. <laughs> number two, air quality is very important. Let's make sure that they're changing out those air conditioning filters. Oh, my God. Number three. I hope that the infamous February extreme heat doesn't rear its ugly head in Glendale. Trevor, get the music ready, please. Number four. I sure hope that game doesn't get rained out or delayed. Trevor. Please let me know who your expert is. I'm looking forward to talking to the Elon Musk of weather forecasting. Also, I've attached a photo of the stadium for your convenience. Trevor, put is, a photo of the, Trevor the is the music ready? I, I think I should just cut his mic off. What a stupid guest pitch that was. Hit the music, Trev, if you got it. Hit the music. Let's go. <laughs> Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Like it's going to rain indoors. Footnotes on Arizona Sports Saturday. There's look, a roof. Look, I've just politely ignored those emails. <laughs> Just putting it out there. Just delete those. We're just going to fly through this. We're going to fly through this. SpaceX of weather. A very short edition of footnotes here. I really wanted to pass this along because it sounds like Thailand may not be enough oh. for former head coach Cliff Kingsbury. This is Jordan Schultz on the Pat McAfee show yesterday. I talked to him for about 30 minutes a couple days ago just to see not only the Thailand element, which is dope, but also what's next and what does he want to do? And what I gather was there's no question that Cliff Kingsbury wants to coach again, specifically in the NFL, not in college. But he's trying to figure out right now his his options. Does it mean sitting out a year and coming back at 24? Or does he want to just come back at 23 while the iron's hot? And that's the big decision he has to make. But there's no question that he wants to coach in the NFL again. We haven't really touched on this, Steve. The iron is so hot 
There are 10 out of the 32 NFL teams that need an offensive coordinator right now. Yeah, he's not exactly running out of options while he's in Thailand, no. which is dope, by the way. <laughs> thought that was a great little nugget that Jordan Schultz <laughs> the, threw in. The, the, uh, oh, my gosh. The chemistry and the the mood and mantra of the Pat McAfee show, that's oh, a total yeah. bro move. I love that's how so they were like, you've been to Thailand, right? And he was like, no, I haven't been to Thailand. The one, the one producer in the background was like, bull spit. Bull bleep. <laughs> bull bleep. He's like, I've been to Cambodia. And they were like, oh, that makes sense. Oh, my gosh. Some other cool stuff to pass along. Potentially cool stuff. Uh, five-star quarterback, Jaden Rashada. He made news because his um, uh, $13 million NIL deal fell through with Florida Gators. He visited ASU yesterday. Sounds like the uh, Gator boosters couldn't pay him. Sounds like they're making a fierce push to get this five-star quarterback, Jaden Rashada. Listen, would be a if, cool deal. If you made the decision to go to a university to play there because of the money... And then they tell you, oh, by the way, we can't get you any of the money that we promised you. You're going to leave that university. It's absurd. This shouldn't surprise anybody that this is happening in the college football landscape. Also, $13 million. Do you think that's a bit much? Anyway. For an 18-year-old? Uh, awesome news yesterday. Doubly awesome. Uh, so all the MLB teams, they've named their developmental staff. Uh, the single A, or no, yes, the single A affiliate, the Hillsboro Hops, have named Ronnie Gajownik their new manager. First female manager at the high A level and the second overall in MILB. So the first one for the Diamondbacks, second one at the A level. Listen, first of many. This is certainly not the first minor league coach uh, to be female, and it will not be the last. We are getting closer and closer to finding some gender equity in the sport. There are plenty of women in baseball that are brilliant and need to have these jobs. And just really quickly, in 2023, Arizona sports professional teams have three wins. We're getting there. Yeah, it's better than, We're getting closer. Better than where we were a week ago. Hey, thanks so much for checking out the show today. Uh, we certainly appreciate it. For Trevor Henry behind the glass, for Mitch Vareldis as well, I'm Steve Zinsmeister. You've been listening to Arizona Sports Saturday on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.